There's a story about a man in New York City who died at the age of 63 without ever, ever having a job. He spent his entire adult life in college. During those years, he acquired so many academic degrees that they looked like an alphabet behind his name. Why did this man spend his entire life in college? Why would you do that? When he was a child, a wealthy relative died who had named him the beneficiary of his will. And it stated that he was to be given enough money to support him every year as long as he stayed in school. <laughs> and it was to be discontinued when he had completed his education. But the man met the terms of the will, but by remaining in school indefinitely, he turned to technicality into a steady income for his entire life, something his benefactor never had intended. Unfortunately, this man spent thousands and thousands of hours listening to professors and reading books, but never doing what he was learning. He acquired more and more knowledge, but never put it into practice. As we continue in our series in the book of James this morning, we will come to the verse that addresses being a doer of God's word. If you would open up your Bibles or one of the church Bibles, we'll be looking at James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. In the church Bibles, it's found on page 1208, 1208 in the church Bibles. Again, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. This is God's holy, infallible, life-giving, and life-transforming word. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. May the Lord bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. Would you please pray with me? Well, Father God, we come before you giving you thanks and praise that you have set aside this day that we might gather together as your people, that we might listen to the word of God, that we might desire to apply this word of God to our lives. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand. Help us, Lord, to have ears to hear and eyes of faith, Lord. Help us to put our trust in you and to uh, look to you this morning. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we begin to look and listen to God's word this morning, we'll be looking at what living out the Word of God means and at what it doesn't mean. Well, going along with our text this morning, we will first see what living out the Word of God does not mean. What living out the Word of God does not mean. In other words, what being a doer of the Word does not mean. Living out the Word of God does not mean listening to God's Word only. 
Living out the word of God does not mean listening to God's word only. This is clearly illustrated uh, in the beginning of time when God was speaking directly and audibly to Adam and Eve before the fall into sin. God spoke to them and he was blessing them and he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Well, Adam and Eve were, were blessed, weren't they not? They were blessed and they listened to God speak and instruct them, and yet they only listened to God and they did not do what he said. They listened to God and knew that he, what he said, but they were led astray and they were being deluded. This word delude in our church Bible means to, to reason falsely or to be deceived. The Apostle Paul uses the same word delude in Colossians chapter 2, verse Four, saying to the believers in Colossae and the church there, he said, I say this so that no one will delude you with a persuasive argument. He was saying these things so they would not be deceived. Going back to Adam and Eve in the garden, listening to a good, gracious, and loving God provide for them and instruct them, they were deceived by the serpent. And we know that that serpent is Satan or the devil who is known as the deceiver. He arrives on the scene and he approaches the woman saying, did God actually say you shall not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman spoke back to this talking snake, by the way. <laughs> like the snake's talking and she's talking back to it. And she said, oh, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent lied and deceived the woman, saying, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan the serpent into thinking that, that God was withholding something good from them, when in fact God was loving them and protecting them. Not only were Adam and Eve deceived by Satan, they were being deceived by themselves, merely listening to what God said and not doing what he commanded. Listening to God's word and not doing what God's word says is a person who is deluded or deceived. You know, as Christians, we all know 
that God tells us in his word that stealing is wrong, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Do not steal, yet many people will look at that and go, yeah, it's not really stealing, right? Or they think that particular stealing is okay. Many of us would call Robin Hood a hero. He stole from the rich to give to the poor because he would say, the rich stole from the poor first. It's ours. We can steal back. But what about pay not paying the right amount for something? If you were undercharged. I saw a person recently post a comment on Facebook declaring what a great deal they got as they pulled up to the gas station at the pump. They noticed that their pu the pump was priced $1.10. We're talking just this past week. So we know it wasn't back in the 90s, right? Well, that would be great if it was truly a sale that the gas station was offering. But the person who was getting the gas noticed the price on her pump only. The other pumps were the correct price of three, whatever it was, 350, 360 or more. And she decided to fill up her tank. And then she proceeded to encourage others on Facebook saying, get there quickly before they fix out, figure out what's wrong. That's stealing, and they were encouraging others to steal, and this person was a professing believer. This person was deceived into thinking that it was all right to steal the gas or get the gas instead because it's not her fault that the owner put the wrong price there. On the other hand, there was a story about a, a young man from our church who went with me on a retreat years ago in Ocean City, Maryland. And uh, we were staying at a hotel and the kids loved uh, having spending money so that they could go to the vending machines in the hallway and buy soda or snacks. And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, it's about 10 o'clock at night, Pastor Dave, what, what's going on? It is uh, Sikander Shad. He's now a young man, uh, but he was a kid back then. And he's knocking on the door and he's got his, his shirt up a little bit. I don't know what's going on. Because Pastor, Pastor Dave, I, I put my dollar bill into the machine and I, I pushed the button to get a soda out and it gave me all of the change out of the machine. Like it poured out, like a slot machine. He got it all and it's sitting in like quarters, like. I don't know, lots and lots of money. He's sitting there. And I'm like, wow. And so here this young man, Sikander, was sitting at my door, his shirt filled with quarters and other change. You know, he knew that this money was not his. He knew that he could have, it was 10 o'clock, he knew Pastor Day was probably sleeping. He knew he could have hid the money, put it in the, in the suitcase. No one would have known, but God would have known. He knew that stealing was wrong, and, and so we went to the front desk at the hotel and, and shared that their machine was broken and gave back all of their money. Yeah, here's an example of a young man who was living out the word of God by listening and knowing and being a doer of the word. Well, looking back at our passage this morning, we see that living out the word of God. Being a doer of the word does not mean listening to God's word only. And we see that living out 
The word of God also does not mean looking at God's word, looking without doing either. It does not mean looking without doing anything. James gives us an illustration of his own in our passage today. He says in verses 23 and 24, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. How often do you look at your reflection in the mirror? Some studies say an average of eight to 10 times per day. I was surprised a little, but then it says other surveys said it could be as many as 60 to 70 times a day. If glancing at our reflection in the store windows, uh, we have our, micro our microwave in our kitchen, the kids were always walking by, flipping their hair, <laughs> making sure, checking them out, checking themselves out. So 60, and our cell phones, you know, we use our cell phones. They're no, no longer uh, just a selfie taking thing. It's, we look at it as a mirror to look at ourselves. Why do we look so often? Well, most experts agree that it's to check out our appearance, especially before we're going to the school or meetings or being with people that we know or here at church. If something is not right, we tend to want to fix it. Many of us will want to see if we pulled up our zipper on our pants. Uh, many of us want to make sure that we don't have any broccoli sticking in our teeth, you know, or food or whatever, or make sure that our hair is not disheveled or messy. Uh, why do we look? into the mirror if we do not plan to change what's wrong. When James was reading and writing to his readers, uh, they did not have mirrors like, like we have today. Their, their mirrors would have been something like polished bronze, yet its purpose was the same. People did, in fact, look at their faces in the mirror in order to see what they looked like. The illustration that James gives us is an example of someone who looks at himself in the mirror and they leave and they forget what they just saw. They looked into the mirror and they saw that they had that piece of broccoli stuck in their teeth, but they didn't do anything about it. They, they saw that their face was dirty, but they didn't wash it. They saw that their hair was unkempt, but they didn't comb it. They saw that their zipper was down and they didn't bother to zip it back up. It doesn't make any sense why a person would look into a mirror and yet not do anything about what he sees. Why would a person just look and leave and forget? It's a rather absurd illustration here, yet it is exactly what God is saying we do with the word of God. And isn't this what happened with the Israelites, God's chosen people? You know, instead of speaking directly to Adam and Eve like he did before the fall, we see that he, he chose to give his people God's word in written form. You can't forget it then, right? You got it. You got it in written form. You have it right in front of you. He gave them the Ten Commandments, and then he expounded on that and gave them more of his law and instructions on how to live their lives and how not to live their lives. In Exodus chapter 24, starting at verse 3, it says, Then Moses came and he recounted to the people all of the words of the law and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice, 
and said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. It says in verse 7 that Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of all the people. And they all said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And then we see Moses goes up again onto Mount Sinai to be with God and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now it's just 40 days and 40 nights after the Israelites made this covenant saying that to the Lord that they would do all that he said. But they got impatient. And it says in Exodus chapter 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron, Moses' brother, and said to him, come, make us, make us a God who will go before us. As for this man Moses... The man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Wow, just, just 40 days and 40 nights later, the people forgot what the Lord had spoken to them. They even forgot that it was God who had brought them up out of Egypt, not merely this man named Moses, like they said. They had God's written words for them about how to love God and love others, how to worship God and how to live their lives. And yet, in merely 40 days and 40 nights, they forgot the God who loved them and saved them. They were deceived into thinking that the Lord had abandoned them. But in reality, they had abandoned the Lord. And we see that Aaron, the brother of Moses, he goes along with this, by the way. Like, what? Aaron, come on! And he creates this false god of gold in the form of a calf. Later on, he lied about it, saying it just jumped out of the fire, remember? Ridiculous, right? And they began to worship and serve their created image of this golden calf. How could they have quickly, so quickly turned around, turned away from the Lord who had commanded them? This is what happens when one merely listens to the word of God and is not a doer. They listened to the word of the Lord, but they deceived themselves and quickly left and forgot the Lord. Years later, after Moses had died, we see that God spoke to Joshua and told him, be careful, Joshua, be careful to do all the law which Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. And yet, once again, it doesn't take long before the Israelites forget God and his word. After Joshua died, we see one of the, the saddest verses in the Bible. Joshua chapter 2, verse 10, which says, And all that generation also, along with Joshua, were gathered up to their fathers. They passed away. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that the Lord had done for Israel. How horrible. Generation later, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. 
And because this new generation did not know the Lord or his work that he had done for them, it says in verse 11, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served other gods. They served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord. Thankfully, the Lord did not abandon his people. Many years later again, going further into the Bible, through the kings, there was trouble, there was good kings, there was bad kings, there was horrific kings. But many years later, we have this picture of what living out the word of God means. What living out the word of God really means. Being a doer of the word. We're able to have a glimpse of what living out the word of God means in the book of 2 Kings under the reign of King Josiah of Judah. Under the reign of King Josiah, they see that things had been falling apart in Israel, but they were also falling apart in the temple of the Lord. So King Josiah begins this campaign to repair the temple of the Lord. Uh, things had gotten bad under the reign of Manasseh, who had done evil and led the people astray to worship and serve after false gods. But now Josiah is king, and they're doing these repairs in the temple of the Lord. And while doing cleaning and repairing, we see that Hilkiah the priest, he, he finds this, this book of the law in the temple. And it would appear that they had not seen this book or read it or heard about it, perhaps for a very long time, perhaps generations. I don't know what the high priest was doing, but he certainly wasn't reading God's word. I don't know what his responsibilities were. But God led Hilkiah, the priest, to find the book of the law, and he brings it to Shaphan, the secretary, who, who reads it. And then they say, you know, we need to bring this to the king. So they bring it to King Josiah, and they read it before the king. The, the first thing in living out the word of God means that we need to find God's word and begin looking intently at it. We need to find God's word and begin looking intently at it. That's what it means to be living out the word of God. The people of Israel, they had lost God's word, you know, we're living in a different day today, don't we? Most of us, at least uh, many of the Christians here in this room, I think you probably have multiple paper Bibles. And most of us walk around with a, with a Bible in your pocket on your phone, having about a dozen or more translations. We have God's Word with us. It's, it's going to be nearly impossible for us to lose, physically lose, God's Word. But they lost the book of the law. They lost it in the church somewhere. <laughs> they lost it in the temple where it was buried, it was neglected, it was forgotten. But now, by God's grace, it was found, and they began looking intently at God's word. They opened it up, and they were going. It, it wasn't like a casual glance in the mirror. It was more like someone on their, their wedding day preparing to meet their bride or their groom. This past Saturday, we had the privilege of going to a wedding, and I don't know, I, didn't, I wasn't there when Naomi was preparing to go down the aisle, but I was there before my daughter Caitlin, and she was, she was primping herself and so making sure she looked just right before she goes down and greets her husband to be at the altar. She, she's looking at the mirror just to make sure everything's right. And that's what Shaphan was doing. He was looking at the mirror of God's word, looking intently and reading God's word to King Josiah. 
Another part of this process of living out the word of God is to be listening intentionally to God's word. As Shaphan read the book of the law to King Josiah, we see that Josiah was listening intentionally. It was like he had never heard the word of the Lord before. He was carefully and intentionally listening to, to hear what God was saying to him. And one of the things that I have uh, occasionally gotten frustrated with over the years in raising my children was I didn't think they were listening very well to me. You know, I, I would tell them something. I would say, look, you're not listening. And then they would have the gall to proceed and to repeat back to me verbatim what I just said. Oh, they listened. No, yeah, they, they were great at multitasking. They were watching the TV. They were playing games. And then they knew exactly what I said. But even though they were able to repeat those words back that I communicated, I don't think that they were listening very well. Certainly not listening intently or intentionally. And you can just imagine that King Josiah, as the king, he put aside all of the other distractions and the needs of the day, and he focused intentionally on listening to God's word being read to him. This process of living out the word of God continued as King Josiah was learning increasingly. Just like King Josiah was learning increasingly from God's word, we too can never stop learning from God's word. We can never stop learning from God's word. No matter how long we have been a Christian or how many times we have looked at a particular passage of scripture, as we are looking and listening to God's word, we should be coming with a desire to be learning increasingly from God's word. As we look and listen to God's word, we will learn more and more about the truth of who we are and about who God is. Uh, many of you know the story of, of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Disney did a movie on it. And then there, there's this uh, evil queen who has this magical talking mirror, right? And, and when she asked it questions, it would never lie. The evil queen looked into the mirror every day and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror responded, You, my queen, are the fairest in the land. And this went on for a while. The evil queen was always pleased because the magic mirror never lied. But one day the evil queen looked into the magic mirror and asked this same question. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Expecting the mirror to say you, of course. This time the magic mirror said, my queen, you are the fairest right here. So true. But there is one named Snow White who is a thousand times more lovely, fair, and beautiful than you. Well, this truth infuriated the queen, and so she sought to destroy Snow White. God's word is like a mirror for us, and it always speaks the truth. And we may or may not like the truth, but it is the truth of God's word. This is what happened with King Josiah when he looked into the mirror of God's word. God's word spoke the truth into his life. And when King Josiah was listening to God's word, he responded to its truth and it had a profound effect upon his life. It says in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11, when the king heard 
the words of the book of the law. He, he tore his clothes. Why would he tear his clothes? Well, when King Josiah responded to hearing God's word by tearing his clothes, this was a sign of, of mourning and repentance over his sin. He was mourning and repenting over his own sin and the sin of the people. His response was an understanding of his own sin and the holiness and justice of God. After listening to God's word, Josiah declared, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do all that is written concerning us. He realized the just wrath of God that they deserved because of their disobedience. And he realized that there was a need for repentance. So looking intently, listening intentionally, and learning increasingly had an effect upon his life by repenting and living out the word of God. And God later said to Josiah, because you listened to my word, because your heart was penitent, because you humbled yourself before the Lord, Josiah, I will bless you. This led to King Josiah to loving God's perfect law of liberty. His looking, his listening, and learning led to King Josiah to loving God's perfect law of liberty. And he showed us, and he showed God, his love for him by and his word, by repenting of, of his sins and the sins of his people, by obeying God's word. He, he removed all of the false gods of Baal and Asherah that his father and his father's father had set up all around. He removed the altar to the fa false god of Moloch. People were burning their sons and daughters to this false god of Moloch. And he removed this. He removed the high places that were being used for prostitution. He, he put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and the abominations that were seen in the land that, might, that he might lovingly obey and abide God's perfect law of liberty. And it says about King Josiah, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor did any king, that is a human king, arise up after him. Josiah was a godly man who was a doer of the word of God. As we desire to be living out the word of God in our lives, being a doer of the law, we need to be finding and abiding in God's perfect law of liberty. We need to be looking at God's word intently. Perhaps, perhaps it should be the first thing that we do before our day begins, and perhaps the last thing we do before we go to bed. Earlier I mentioned God speaking to Joshua after Moses had died, and God told him, you need to be strong and courageous. You need to be careful to do everything in the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. He said, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. This was God's plan for, for Joshua, but it's also God's plan for us in his word as well as we 
desire to live our lives for him. When we are loving God's law of liberty, it should be the first thing that we crave in the morning and the last thing that we think about at night. Perhaps more than that hot cup of coffee that gets you going in the morning or the hot shower or, the, or your warm meal or finishing your wordle. I'm talking to myself. Finishing your wordle. Wordle has hit the, hit the world by storm. Are you more into the wordle or into God's word? But none of these things are, are wrong and in and of themselves. It's just when these, th these things or anything else become a priority over God's word. When we love God's word, it is, is no longer a chore, but it becomes a delight. If it's a chore, if it's a task, something's wrong, right? God still wants us to be in it. So don't say, if I'm not doing it, it's not a delight, I shouldn't do it. We still need to be doing it. We need to be doing it until it becomes a delight. There's, there's not a secret formula about when or where or how long to spend in God's word. Some people will say, oh, you need to be up at 3 a.m. and spend three hours. You know, that is good for some people. It's not for me. <laughs> um, but I think it's important that we get into God's word. The key is, is making God's word a priority of spending time with God and his word in our lives. Earlier I mentioned that we should be looking intently into the mirror of God's word and it will have a profound effect. Many years ago, someone presented a tribal chief from another country with a mirror, maybe something like this one, I don't know. Um, the chief had never seen a mirror before, let alone his face in the mirror, and he, he peered curiously into the mirror and he commented on the ugliness of the person that he saw. And then he realized that Oh, he was looking at himself. And then he became enraged and he smashed the mirror on the rock. When we look into the mirror of God's word, it, it tells us that we are created to reflect who God is and his character. And yet, we can see in the mirror of God's word that in, in our sinful fallen condition, we are spiritually ugly and we are marred by sin. Yet when we place our faith and trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are able to look at ourselves in a whole new way, aren't we? As we look into the mirror of God's word, we are able to see ourselves as God sees us. Our sinful ugliness has been transformed into the beauty of Christ's likeness. And we spend more and more time loving God and living out his word in our lives we grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. Another book written by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. He, he speaks of the magnificent mirror in that book. And he says, now the glass or the mirror was one of a thousand and it would present a man one way with his features exactly and, and turn it another way and it would show one the very face with similitude of the prince of pilgrims himself, Jesus. Yea, I have talked with those that can tell and have said that they have seen the very crown of thorns upon his head by looking into this mirror, this glass. 
They have also seen the holes in his hands and in his feet and his side. And when we gaze into the mirror of, of God's word, we can see in it far more wonderful things than our own face. We not only see our own filthy garments, not only the spots and stains in our own life and our own unworthiness, we are able to see Christ and his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection that cleanses us from our sin and makes us beautiful in the eyes of God. When you look and you listen and learn from God's word, ask him to give you eyes of faith to see the right way, ears of hope, and lives of obedience as we seek to love God and his word. Verse 25 says, that when we do these things, we will be blessed. When we do these things, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will bless you. As we responded, as we respond to looking at and listening and learning God's word this morning even, I, I pray that we will love God's word even more. Whether you've been a Christian a short time or for a long time, point number three on my outline today says, what will you do differently with God's word? What will you do differently with God's word? I left three blanks that you can fill in. Maybe you could come up with just one, or maybe you can come up with more than three. The idea is that we go out and that we are doers of God's word. As the fictitious prophet Nike says from our generation, just do it. Just do it. Maybe it will be more than just a successful sports apparel slogan for us. Let us do it. Let's do God's word in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you have not left us alone. Lord, you have given us your word. Help us, Lord, to not neglect your word. Help us not to be deceived into thinking your word says something that it does not. Help us, Lord, to look for ways to, to be learning and growing. Help us look to, to see how you have transformed us and that you are transforming us more and more into the image of Christ. Lord, we thank you that your word is, is powerful and it's effective and it has a purpose in our lives to lead us and guide us. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.